0: Hi, everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. May 16th, 2023, 25th day of the R-5783. Uh, recording this podcast from a place that probably very few of you, and myself included, have heard a podcast from, Hagesund, Norway. First stop on a cruise, a week-long cruise to the fjords. Desperately need some nature. Um, so my husband and I... Are out for this week and getting really excited, even though it's absolutely freezing. Um, been to Norway before years ago to Oslo, which is where I learned the word "Quisling" is was a name. You know, Quisling is a collaborator. Q U I S L I N G. Turns out that it was the name of the prime minister of Norway during World War II, because he collaborated totally with the Nazis. Ironically, of course, his house now in Oslo is the Holocaust Museum. Anyway, that was a completely different trip. This is about hiking in nature and walking on glaciers and or near glaciers and uh, just getting away <laughs> uh, as far different as the Middle East could possibly do. I could do without 10 degrees centigrade and being poured on though. So this was uh, the first stop. A little disappointing, I have to say. Unfortunately, Israeli tour guides have insanely high standards because of what we're kept to. And uh, so... We toured this place. We decided for a walking tour, expected to hear about the Vikings and the history of Norway, and instead heard about how excited the kids here are when they're 18 because they get to drink in one bar, and then when they're 20, they get to drink in another, and what they wear for their um, for their graduation. Like, totally superficial, super disappointing. But anyway, it was nice to get off the boat. Yesterday was a total day at sea. And uh, so at least we're here and at least we're starting and I hope it's cool. But what I wanted actually to actually talk to you guys about was my Shabbat because we were in London and uh, went to the central synagogue, uh, which was nice side benefit of that was that I got to see Melanie Phillips, who's just so brilliant and always wonderful to talk to even just for a few minutes. And it was a really good kiddush, like after this prayer service, excellent chocolates and um, like I will do almost anything for caramel covered with milk chocolate, but it was really yummy, great brewed coffee. But leaving the food part aside, because England's not normally known for its culinary, but I like the sweets. Um, There was a pro-Palestinian, a demonstration on the streets outside, not coincidentally, because we were just two blocks away from the BBC. So um, my husband, after synagogue services, just wanted to go back to a hotel. But of course, me being me, there was absolutely no way. That wasn't going to be provocative, but I just wanted to engage them in conversation. And the conversation was Um, Well, you could laugh or you could cry. So some of I started speaking with the kids, outrageous colors of hair there that I've never seen there before, obviously very mixed up slash sad slash have no place to go with themselves kids uh, a lot of it is based on marxism and workers rights. so the first thing they want to do is free the palestinian laborers from their israeli warlords oh but also they, they know that israelis are also uh, working hard so they they'll, they'll help some of the israelis on the way that was one conversation a lot about the workers revolution a lot about marxism completely confused about everything about marxism about how this hasn't worked in other places one of them said to me i said you know all these revolutions workers revolutions had been tried before and they haven't done really well to say the least and he said oh you're absolutely right but we've learned from our mistakes and that's why this time it's going to be global so it is just local then it doesn't work okay fine um i said like oh so you're all after people who are you know you feel are being oppressed so this week it's the palestinians and so last week it was Sudan, next week it's going to be China. Like, you know, every week you're for somebody else. Oh, no, 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 this is all we're doing because it's the week of the Nakba, you know, the catastrophe. So I said, okay, what was the catastrophe? Well, you know, the Palestinians, the indigenous people of the land, and then because of World War II and also because of British imperialism, they do not like Brit- the British either. And they were telling me about, so you must have had a rough time during the coronation of last week. They said, oh yes, the Brits are just sick of the monarchy. Uh, there's like a lot of conflation of a lot of different things here, by talking to me about how the poor Palestinians. So I said, oh, so like, so there was a country called Palestine. Oh yes, absolutely. So I said, so like, since when? You know, like I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on history. So. Like, when was it started? They had a king. They had like, how did it go? Oh, we don't know. But they've just been there forever. Like, just it's always been theirs. And so, you know, but absolutely no idea what they're talking about. Um, One guy who seemed a little bit more intelligent or at least educated than most, but he was a little scary because he said to me, you know, we've been watching the news and we've been seeing the Israeli soldiers killing Palestinian children because they are terrorists. And then he made that thing with his finger, you know, quote, unquote. So I said, oh, it sounds awful. Where do you get your information from? So he said, well, it's very hard to get information from that area. And I'm thinking to myself, there are probably more cameras per capita in Israel than anywhere else. So I said, oh, okay." So he said, but we actually get a lot of information for the Financial Times. I said, really, they report on this? He said, yes. I said, this is what they said, that there were Israeli soldiers killing Palestinian children. He said, "Well, not exactly, but we're able to kind of reinterpret what they say, meaning slash lie, and totally twist it around." And then he said to me, "He goes, even Der Spiegel last week said that Karl Marx was right." So I said to him, "You have to." I said, "There was no downside for them. Like the irony of the EU's richest country saying something like that is absolutely meaningless, anyway." But he was saying to me how awful it is, and you know, you just see the whole. The whole, you know, it's the the bottom line is that this is anti-Semitism because there's absolutely no, no, uh, it's so, it's so hypocritical. They're not, they're not saying it. First of all, it's all lies, but they're not saying anything about any other country or any other oppressed people or anything else. It's just focused on this. Obviously the bottom line is, um, is, you know, that it's the Jewish state that they're going after, but it's just this complete thing about the poor Arabs, no responsibility for them, you know, on them. No, you know, no responsibility for the for last week's total bombing of Israel from Gaza. That is just the expression of a people who have nowhere else to go with their anger and have been abandoned by everybody. And so, what do we expect from them? Except except to be able to do this. But Israel is just targeting their little children, and it's just uh, incredible the the difference between the truth and what they're saying. So I decided after talking to the young people for a while, um, because they were just, like I said, incredibly misinformed, stupid, or just busy with ideas that have nothing to do with reality. So I decided to move over to an older people, because there were older people there also. So I stopped one woman to ask her, she was handing out flyers. And I said, Oh, so you've been there? She's talking about how terrible in Palestine is just awful. I said, Oh, so you've been? And she said, No, actually, I haven't. But we have relatives in Cyprus. So I'm familiar with the area. So I was trying to keep a straight face. I said, you have relatives in Cyprus. You're familiar with the area? She said, yes, you know, the Eastern Mediterranean. And I just stared at her because I couldn't believe that somebody who actually could put two thoughts together was actually saying that. And did they not realize how stupid they are? Anyway, on the one hand, I came out of there thinking, wow, I have been like in the midst of. know more useful idiots than maybe anywhere else in a a few block range but but the truth is that it's not funny because they really do believe this um at points they were at later on apparently there there was violence but um this is also goes to places that are can be quite dangerous and um it was kind of i mean it was depressing it's not that i didn't know about this and of course in israel We had a pro Nakba demonstration right outside of Tel Aviv University. And I just have to say that if I lived in a country that had any kind of pride, every single person at that demonstration should have their Israeli citizenship stripped from them. The Arabs should be deported to Gaza or at least to the Palestinian Authority. How dare they? They're getting an education at my taxpayer's expense with Jewish soldiers protecting them so that they can say this. And they have the nerve, the nerve to do that. OK, like if you offered them Palestinian, whatever the hell that means anyway, um, citizenship, they wouldn't even take it because they know exactly what that means. But it is just it, the, I mean, I literally, I wanted to vomit when I saw that. It, again, it's not the first time. But how dare they? How dare they use the country like this? It is just. It is just beyond belief, and and this is really here where I think there needs to be some kind of legislation. There is a limit to free speech. You cannot sit and be a traitor to the country in which you live. There, there has to, and I know this has come up over and over and over again in free societies, which is why free societies are very quickly becoming not free. Because of because being used by the evil people within us to undermine our own societies. And the same thing I saw it in England. It happens in Tel Aviv. So I can't say Israel's any better. Believe me, that's not what I'm saying. Um, But, you know, for the people to just stand there in England and it's just it's just like. Again, the double standard in hypocrisy is what really, really hits. And they weren't the only place to do that. And this has kind of taken on a life of its own. And there's absolutely, and you guys know how crazy I am about context, absolutely no context. And it's just all about Jews killing poor little children, like another blood libel all over again. And, uh, just in modern form. And I'm certainly, you know, I've interviewed many people, Richard Landy's and others on this, but to really be in there, I would have stayed for another hour because I was, I was, it was like, it was like an experiment in, you know, in social psychology. Um, But my husband had had enough. And so his whiskey was wearing off. So I had to go, but um, I really would have stayed there for a long time and talk to people just to try and find out what is in their minds. What is motivating them? A lot that's motivating them is they, they don't realize how lucky they are uh, to live in the society in which they live. Like, just briefly went down that road with somebody that, you know, they have health care, they have food on the table, they have uh, safe places to sleep. Like, a lot of things where most people in the world don't have any of that security whatsoever. But they've never been anywhere. They completely, they just know what they're fed uh, by places like the BBC, and it's really dangerous. It was a fascinating conversation that I had with Melanie Phillips in synagogue. I mean, she's, you know, in the middle of writing a book on, is this the end of Western civilization? And and uh, and it's a serious topic. This is really not funny. Although we were talking because she's British and she you know, spends time in England, obviously. And I am from an American background and spend more time in the United States and understand the mentality there. while well, she understands the British mentality. So we were having an interesting discussion about how, the British Jews are reacting to this differently than the American Jews. The American Jews are just have gone, many of them just gone over to the other side, not realizing where this leads. The British Jews do realize where it leads because they're sitting on hundreds of years of out and out anti-Semitism. So they get it, but they are acting very, very, they're laying low, They're their diaspora just laid low and hopefully this pogrom, this wave will pass us by. Um, that defense mechanism has kicked in very, very like full time. Um, very different than what's happening in the United States where that's not happening. They don't realize maybe because it's a young country. And also maybe America is just noisier that had a faster rise than England and will have a faster downfall as well. That's also quite possible. America does everything quickly um, and definitely a difference between uh, between that and Europe, which is why it's so great to be able. I'm so appreciative to be able to go traveling to see other cultures and even to step into a um, a pro you know, an anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian demonstration in London is very, very eye-opening. It's much more different than, you know, reading a paragraph about it in the newspaper. And to see these people, to see the vast amounts of money that's going into this, the flyers everywhere, the t-shirts, and these, you know, it's like a beautiful Saturday morning, and this is how they're spending it. Like you have nothing better to do. So they're being driven by hatred and old hatred. Um, That somebody very, very wisely has tacked on to other ideologies uh, and the disparity in income living in very capitalistic societies, which is what they're totally against is capitalism, completely and utterly against capitalism. Of course, the irony is, I'm thinking as I'm walking back, is that if there's one place in the world where socialism did work for a while. It was the kibbutzim, it was the kibbutz movement in Israel a hundred years ago. It works for a good few decades and then it falls apart because that's just not how people are built to share everything and to not be jealous of other people and to not work harder than somebody else and expect to get more for, for your work. Um, But it worked beautifully for a few decades, really We're, we're able to provide food and, and give sustenance and give safe safety to people who had nothing else and nowhere else to go. So really, if people wanted to, in all seriousness, see um, how socialism went. That would be the place to do it. But that's never going to come up. I didn't even bring it up because there's nothing positive you can say about Israel or the Jewish people. Um, And it's all these visions that they have and the news that they're fed and lied to about. And it's really um, I mean, we all have to be careful because we're all being lied to. I, I know that. And I live in a free society and I'm free to choose where I want to get my news. And I still know that I'm being manipulated most of the time and being fed things that people want us to hear and want us to know. Uh, and I don't know. It occurred to me, and this is like a totally crazy thought, that, you know, maybe if you live in a fear society or a totalitarian regime, so at least you know that the stuff you're being fe- fed is a lie. Um, and maybe those of us in the West need to be a little more careful because yes, we live in free societies and yes, I'm free to say anything I want on this podcast and you guys are free to listen to it, to not listen to it, to agree with it, to disagree with it, to write me a letter, not me a letter, it doesn't matter. Okay. So yes, we can't compare and we do live in a free, in free societies, but how free are they? Are we really, and maybe we need to be careful because maybe we're just free to fool ourselves that we're free. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Maybe it's something like in the middle there because um, there are no doubt that there are um, definitely the way that we, the things that we're exposed to and the things that that, uh, we're told is definitely not the whole story. And if we want to get even a part of the whole story, a small, small part of the whole story, we have to do a lot of work and a lot of digging on our own. Um, And we should just stay free to be able to do that. That's really why I see like the Torah and and the morality of the torah and the messages of the torah are just so much more important now than they ever were um you know in, and and uh, just just keeping us focused on personal freedoms which is really what the torah is about from shabbat to letting your slaves out to to all of that um it's the ultimate book about freedom, if we're paying attention to what its messages are and not letting ourselves uh, like, you know, get down go down roads that are not helpful. And it's very hard. It's very hard, as immersed as I am in Israel and in the Torah world, and in that belief that that we are really at the forefront of fighting for the world I- against a lot of the insanity out there. Um, I'm not fooling myself either as to that I'm influenced by things on the outside as well. So I think we all need to support each other with that and, uh, you know, make sure that we're all finding the good and the correct sources of information for a lot of what's happening out there. Anyway, I've had just about enough of getting rained on. Plus the ship is going to sail in just a few minutes. So just wanted to check in this week and thanks to Tabitha and thanks to Ben and um just happy that things quieted down in israel at least for the short term and of course it just never fails just never fails to hurt all over again that this is what happens when we left when we left Gaza in 2005, so we can go after the terrorists in Janine and Shlem for all that it does take a toll on our soldiers. We can go in, and we can go out and we can find them. And uh, and it doesn't take millions and millions of dollars and, and people cowering in their bomb shelters and tremendous amounts of destruction in order to get rid of the of the head Uh, The head uh, evil ones. And it's just exactly what's happening in Gaza with no end in sight, because just like a bunch of cockroaches, some more will spring up. Um, Still waiting, still waiting for those public apologies for the people who thought that it would be such a brilliant idea if we just left Gaza. Well, just maybe one day and maybe I'm just showing my naivete. Anyway, Eve Harrow Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel, short and to the point from way, way, way north. It gets dark at 10 o'clock at night. And it's cold up here, but hopefully I will get to see, I see Hashem a lot in nature, and hopefully I'm going to be doing a lot of that in the next few days. I will let you know. Take care, everybody, wherever you are, and goodbye for now. Let's try to use our time wisely to promote the truth about what is going on here, the reality here in the Jewish State of Israel. Join Josh Haston every Monday for Israel Uncensored. If we didn't have Iron Dome, more Jews in Israel would be hurt or injured or God forbid killed. Israel would have to respond more forcefully to attacks and that would result in more lives being lost. Gaza, the Temple Mount anti-Semitism, COVID, the Knesset, and more. Another example of Israel contributing to the world, it's not hard to find these stories. Each and every week, an Israeli company coming out with the latest technologies to improve quality of life for people all over the world in so many different fields. That's Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.